Our, our subject is living in the church as the kingdom of God. And we understand kingdom as a realm of life. It's organic. This life is God himself and intrinsically connected to this life is light. To live in the church as the kingdom of God is to live by the tree of life, Christ with his life supply in our spirit. And we live by the tree of life not only as a supply, but as a principle. A principle governing our whole life. And that is, the Lord lives in us, and by living in us, he leads us according to life, not according to the knowledge of good and evil. Also, to be in the kingdom is to be in a realm of light. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. The principle is the same with the kingdom of God, which is Jesus shining into us, Jesus shining through us. Now we will go on to consider from the outline a realm of grace. But first, uh, I have some feeling to share at least two matters related to the kingdom that are indicators to whether or not we're actually living in the kingdom. And then some matters to open up grace as a realm. In other words, the kingdom as a realm of grace. In Matthew 6, the Lord, in effect, spoke of two kinds of seeking that human beings have. And the first is the anxious seeking. That's in verse 32. For all these things, the Gentiles are anxiously seeking. Isn't it fair to say that especially among the mortgage and banking industry, there has been a lot of anxious seeking, not only in the U.S., but throughout the developed world. And people are anxious about their stocks and all kinds of things. This is a primary expression of the fallen natural life. To be anxious concerning the necessities of life. The whole world is like this. I am not involved with the stock market. I don't know very much about how it operates. According to my elementary knowledge, it seems to me to be very sensitive. Oh, so delicate, responding to this or that, uh, this or that development. So I remember finding out on Friday morning early before I left for the airport that, oh, after the government decided to buy up these bad mortgages, now the market went up. Where it ended on Friday, I don't know. The stock market is a kind of symbol of Anxious seeking, worrying. 
We do not condemn human beings for being in the grips of their natural human life. There is no benefit. We, we should understand we don't agree to live that way, but we're not the judges of people. In the kingdom of God, as a realm of life, there is no anxiety about the necessities of life. Now, that's actually quite a radical statement. It doesn't mean that there is no endeavoring, no proper exercise of human responsibility to plan, to get your education, to advance in your profession. I'm not talking about that. That is human responsibility. That is the law that we need to work to take care of ourselves. But in the realm of the kingdom of God, there is no anxiety. Why? Well, is God anxious? Is God worried? Do you think God is worried about the price of crude oil? Does, of course not. He cannot be worried. In the life of God, there is no anxiety. But this is actually not the point I want to make. This just opens up the point. One indicator that we are living in the kingdom of God as a realm of life and living in the church life as the kingdom of God is that we seek the kingdom first. That's Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom. The Lord does say in Luke 12.31, in another context, seek his kingdom. Here the Lord says first. First makes all the difference. Therefore, from time to time, and tonight could be one of those times, the Lord would enlighten us and search us out concerning what is first for you. What is first? There are many things we need to take care of out of responsibility, out of love. Out of love. A brother really loves his wife. Out of love. He will really seek. To do so many things. But what is first? What are we actually seeking first? The Lord knows. As he's watching over his recovery. Uh, he knows the hearts and he knows what behaviors and what decisions indicate. Uh, let me give a little overall testimony of the church life I was introduced to. That was in 1966, Los Angeles, California. There was a hall on Eldon Avenue. So... It was called Eldon Hall. 
And most of the saints lived within a two or three minute walk of the meeting place. Those that had families and therefore the apartments were not suitable were at the most a 10 minute drive. For a number of years, especially exemplified by the brothers in Texas, but also by other saints. Many of the young brothers that were the fathers, heads of young families, worked as teachers. I don't think too many of our educated young brothers would have the thought of being a high school teacher. Doesn't pay enough. Doesn't pay enough. It's not an option. But our brothers from Texas and the brothers in California thought teaching was the best for the church because every summer there was a conference for a week and two weekends and a six-week training. So the saints in Southern California and again the dear brothers in Texas, they knew what God's will was for their summer. That they would come out to Southern California, circumstances permitting, and sometimes you have to force the circumstances to permit, they would come. When the children were born, they were taken care of, but mothers, they worked out babysitting arrangements among the young brothers. We were only minutes away. One sister stays home and two or three sisters go to the meeting. The next night, another sister stays home. Two or three sisters go to the meeting. In practicality, the kingdom was first. In all the decisions that were made, of course, the first consideration is the Lord himself. What is pleasing to him? But very close to that was what is good for the church? What kind of job is really fitting for the church life? Where should we live? To me, it would be inconceivable not to take this into account. It may not solve every practical consideration. But this is just the way it was. I actually do not understand. I'm stuck in a time warp, so to speak. I don't understand any other kind of church life. Isn't the church, the kingdom of God, in practicality, 
And isn't the kingdom of God, God himself in Christ? And didn't the Lord say, seek first his kingdom? Then I can't allow anything to be first. Otherwise, I'm not living the kingdom life. The divine life within me does not allow me to take care of anything else first. When, in fellowship with Brother Lee, we moved from Anaheim to Irving, when the family found out about it, there was turmoil for a while. My daughter was in her junior year. She would be moving in her senior year of high school. And she responded, as young sisters do, she went into her room and cried. My son was sad. I asked him why. He said, scuba, scuba diving. They had friends. They, my younger son had a paper route. The older boy just started high school. But we moved to Irving. They were not traumatized. They were not scarred for life. They're not angry at their dad for being itinerant. The Lord blessed them. We do, according to the stage of our human life, need to take care of so many matters. I have received more than one email over the years. I don't know why the dear saints feel I can help them with matters. I wouldn't say, as has been said, they're above my pay grade. I'll just say that they're out of my realm where a couple approaching middle age and they haven't been able to have a baby and how would I feel if they tried certain proper means I can only answer according to life so my answer was I encourage you to use every proper means available you just follow the Lord's leading. So I am not ignoring the practicalities of human existence. My three children got their college education. But let me tell you how I think. It's not about how I think, but this is a testimony. I will take care of your education under certain limitations. And the basic limitation is what we can afford. So if you're accepted to Princeton or Harvard where they don't give scholarships because everyone's a valedictorian, then we can't do that. Let's just accept what the Lord makes available So whether it's a matter of health, of education, of development in your job, of rearing your children, 
of going to Texas Stadium on a Friday night because your son is in the playoffs. I'm aware of all of these things as secondary matters. Only the kingdom is first. And the Lord said, seek the kingdom first. This involves active exercise, pursuit, not passively resign yourself that the kingdom has to be first. Toward the end of our years in Irving, our whole neighborhood was being bought out for runway expansion, airport expansion. You go there now, you never know there was a neighborhood. All the houses were destroyed. Because this involved city governments and imminent domain activity, we were owing a righteous settlement and some help for relocation. And it was very interesting to me to talk to my neighbors about where they were planning to move. And one, this is the Texas pronunciation, they were moving to Lake Palestine. And this man, man was going to get a house on the lake and fish for largemouth large bass. And someone else was going here and someone else was going there. And I realized again how different we were. How utterly different. That here, my, my neighbors were free to go wherever their soul delighted. They got a decent price for their house. They got relocation expenses. They can go here. They can go there. When the only choice I have is to follow the Lord, which was, who was leading me to Anaheim. It is actually a shame and a defeat for us in the Lord's recovery to live our practical life the way the Gentiles live. Always, of course, I shouldn't say always, but often hiding behind practicality. We have to be practical. As if God is impractical, as if the Lord is impractical, if that's the notion of being practical, then I would like to be radically impractical and read John 6.33, but seek first his kingdom. So I'm about at the end of this particular line of fellowship, but I leave this to you and the spirit. What are you seeking first? I'm a not young person. I'm not elderly. I'm not young. Should I seek health first? Should that be my top consideration? Seek first your health. Should I seek retirement first? Sorry, I have the feeling to come to be with you in Kansas City, but... I need a break. I need to go to the desert. 
and be there for a couple of days, my health. I don't think there would be such a peaceful feeling. Should I seek my grandchildren first? Josh, Sam, Elisa. When I travel to other countries, should my first consideration, what cute little thing can I bring home to the grandkids? Will they be trained? Thankfully not. Grandpa, what did you bring me? What, what is first? I mean actually. So that it's demonstrated in your decisions, in your behavior. The kingdom life is a life that motivates us to seek the kingdom first in any situation. Prior to this, the Lord says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. All these things. We need. We need. Your wife needs this. She needs this. Pay the price for her. She needs it. Your children need this. But I wonder, and we have a number of young people here, do you know the difference between need and want? I know what word you use with your parents. The first argument is everyone has one. And then the second one is I need. The Father knows all the things that we need. At every stage of our life. But the son of the father says. Seek his kingdom. First. So here's the choice. Will you seek what you need first. Or will you seek the kingdom first. You may feel it's risky. To seek the kingdom first. And you may say, I won't get what I need. No, you'll always get what you need. The risk is you won't get what you want. The Father knows that you need, not that you want all these things. When someone not driving properly rear-ended me three years ago and totaled my my Ford Taurus. Total means it costs more to repair than the vehicle is worth. I needed a car. That was a need. And I've never excused the personal testimonies, but I think they bring it down to earth. I never had the feeling to be so deliberate before the Lord in making this decision. What should I do? Often I bought new cars and kept them for many years and maintained them well. And one church family said, here's 
It's a workable Civic, a Honda Civic, about 15 years old. You can drive this around. And I was thankful. I, the need was met. No, I, I didn't buy a senior vehicle for $32,000, whatever it is. It's quite an investment. And I was fellowshipping with dear brother Jim Miller, and he asked me a practical question. I said, you know, I was asking him, what kind of car should I get? He said, how much do you drive? And I told him, about 5,000 miles a year, that's all. So this changed my point of reference. And I decided I will get some kind of used car. One advantage of the Southern California climate is that it works toward the life of the vehicle. I'll lay aside the notion of new car. I will get a used Toyota. And I was about to purchase this used Toyota. Then my son calls me. He said, did you buy that Toyota Avalon? It's about 10 years old. I said, no. He said, brother so-and-so has a 98 Nissan. He wants to give it to you. Will you let him do this? And so, we should give in simplicity. We should receive in simplicity. And this dear brother had this vehicle. And he got this to it and did that to it. And he just came over and gave me the car. I've been driving for three years. I probably put 12,000 miles on it since iron miles other ways. I needed a car. I did not need a new car. I did not need a new Toyota Avalon. I did not need a crossover enclave. I did not need a senior car like a Buick. Do you realize that not young people, they buy Buicks? Can you imagine that? <laughs> the Lord met the need over three months. This is not necessarily a pattern, but the principle is, in this matter of a car, I sought the kingdom first by paying attention to the life within. Don't be in a hurry. Don't go online and look at all the things according to what you want. Look you got a loaner car, it's a Civic. Now, don't be bothered about this little detail. I mentioned this in one message. and Saints can get bothered by things that we have no intention. So, I'm going to mention the color of my car. I'm going to say something about the color. And chances are, 20 people in this room right now have this color. Please don't be bothered. I had long decided that I will never buy a white car. <laughs> now, do you know the color of my Nissan? Nice white car. 98. 
Nissan. It's transportation. It's what I need. I've been renting the house I'm in for a number of years. I'm not preaching renting instead of buying. But if you have to pay $700,000 for a house on the street where I live, you might be tempted to rent rather than buy. <laughs> Unless you've got a combined income of about $200,000 a year. I don't particularly like the house. But it's a house. It has the space. I believe the Lord's recovery needs a major adjustment in the light of Matthew 6.33. All the Gentiles are anxious about the necessities of life. The Lord cuts across this. All these things your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Therefore, you seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. Uh, there is a brother I talked to while I was here. Okay, I talked not only to him, but I talked to him. And when he graduated from the full-time training, he was had entered into his fourth decade, that is, in his early 30s. And he knew, and we all knew, that marriage was a need. It was a need. And I'm not sure how this works out in so many details, but I believe that one way for some young people to seek the kingdom first is to press the pause button on their life for two years and come to the full-time training. And then you sign this famous item of your consecration agreement. You will not pursue a relationship with the other sex while you're in the training. Otherwise, we could, couldn't conduct a training. So this brother needed a wife. And I was, he's been in my heart since he graduated and I found out today he's married <laughs> I'm happy for him I'm happy for her that's a need but right close to the need is anxiety what will rule you the anxiety this last week, were you ruled by the anxiety? We are a different species of being. Do you realize? We are children of God. We're divine human beings, God-men. And the life within us knows no anxiety. And the life within us causes to seek the kingdom first. That's how we live. That's the principle. What this means in any given situation depends on the circumstances. <clears throat> I don't know what is the governing principle 
in the lives of so many saints. I don't have the assurance that seek the kingdom first. I'm not preaching old things from 40 years ago. I'm not giving a message on sisters sharing babysitting. I'm not giving a message on where you should buy your house. But part of me really wishes that we, we would ask the Lord again. Lord, is living here good for the church life? Is this a good choice of a home for the church? Lord, this job, with what it will require of me, is this good for the church life? Will be will working 60 to 70 hours for this law firm, will it be good for the church life? If it's not, I won't take it. I don't know where this spirit is. I don't know where it is in North America. I don't know where it is in Taiwan, to tell you the truth. Seek the kingdom first. And all these things will be added to you. Okay? Do you believe that? They'll be added to you. Sometimes the Lord makes you wait. The sister graduated waited from the training 10 years ago. And a husband has been added to her yet. This is somewhat of a test. But this is an organic law in the kingdom. If you're not seeking it first, you're not living the kingdom life. We should just be honest. I'm living like everybody else. And I'm concerned about the same things they're concerned about. The price of crude oil goes up. They pump the gas. They have all kinds of feelings. I'm not a robot pumping my gas, but why should my inner life be affected by OPEC? Why should my inner being be ruled by OPEC? Can I not be in the kingdom of God pumping gas in Southern California well over $4? This is the Lord's word applied and expanded. However, some families, sorry, brothers, we can't move to Irving. It's my senior year, my daughter's senior year in high school. How can you ask her to move in her senior year in high school? Sorry, we, we can't. We can't go. Brotherly, I can't go. My daughter first. Scuba first. Scuba. Then we're finished. Here's what happened. When my daughter was 12 or 13, no, just about 14, she spent a few weeks in Irving. She was serving. Then she called with this crazy idea. 
She said, Dad, how about if I move to Texas for my senior year of high school? Then I establish Texas residency. Then I can go to UT. And Dad was not open to that. It was not reasonable. It was not practical. Then three years later, Dad gets the word to move to Texas, and she's crying <laughs> about doing the very thing that she wanted to do. Now you know why we don't understand you, sisters, okay? <laughs> so we actually moved. I think it's worthwhile telling you some of these stories. In the middle of her junior year, and we worked out, she stayed with Bob and Donna Bynum, some of you may know, to finish her junior year. Then she moved, started a new high school, cold as a senior. And the Lord blessed it. She was happy. And she went to UT. <laughs> Brother Benson and others can tell you many stories. Brother Lee sends him to Moscow. To Russia, 1991. So many things. This is the kingdom life. If we don't seek the kingdom first, how are we going to have the church life? The church, I don't know where it is in the priorities. Fourth or fifth, okay. Money and job first. Children's education second. Uh, soccer, football, ballet, harp lessons <laughs> is third. Uh, health is fourth. Then maybe number five, we have the church. If it's convenient. No way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because of the time now, uh, I'll leave perhaps for tomorrow or for the coming age or for the new heaven and the new earth. Another point, and begin to touch this matter of a realm of grace. And I want to say two things first, then we'll read through the outline and uh, really finish in good time. Grace is the supply to do the impossible. Have you learned that the church life is humanly impossible? Have you learned this? See, the church life involves loving all these people with the same love. No levels of love. No higher level for certain persons. No lower level for other persons. And the Christian life. Do you think the Christian life is difficult? I would say the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. That is why in Matthew... 
the Lord gives these incredible commands. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. Don't lust. Don't covet. Don't be anxious. Love your enemies. How are you doing with loving enemies? You may say, I don't, I don't have any enemies. Let's put an older generation of Chinese, Koreans, and Japanese together and have them talk about World War II and see if they love their enemies or not. Grace enables us to do what is not humanly possible. I would say, based upon the word and the testimony of the saints as members of the body, God only asks you to do what is impossible. Such as pray without ceasing. How are you doing on praying, praying without ceasing? I was visiting a Bible school once and I got into a conversation with a student and his professor had given them a lesson on praying without ceasing, which was an elaborate way of saying, you do this and you do that, but you don't really pray without ceasing. And then I told him, I said, this is like Gary's word about blending. I said, I know what to pray without ceasing means. He said, what? It's to pray without ceasing. <laughs> That's what it says. Grace is the supply from the triune God that enables us to be what we can't be and to do what we can't do and to bear what we cannot bear. That's when grace comes in. Paul had this thorn, whatever it was, and he wasn't a hero. He prayed three times for the Lord to remove it. Don't you think he prayed with feeling? You think he said, Lord, would you kindly remove the thorn? I believe he was quite much in agony. Especially the third time. And then the Lord's answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. We have to be honest and faithful. At a certain point, the thorn comes. It's a messenger of Satan. That's what Paul called it. And Paul prayed again and again, the three times were it to be removed. And the Lord's word is, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I'm not challenging anyone. But can anyone say tonight, yes, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for me. 
not merely sufficient in itself, it's sufficient for me to bear what is unbearable, to do what is undoable, to be, there's no such word as unbeable, right? Okay. That's grace. It issues in a living which is not a human possibility. That's what grace does. Uh, as like many of the other brothers serving the recovery, who travels a lot, we have a demanding schedule. I expect that at a certain point, my physical age will require me to reconsider. How should I go on now for this final period, however that is? What adjustments should be made? But our testimony to you is, we do what we do by the grace of God. Not by human strength. Not by natural energy. Not by willpower. Not by natural love for the churches. But by the grace of God. That's the key. When the grace comes, the thorn doesn't go necessarily. But the supply is here. And the testimony of the ministering brothers, Brother Nee, Brother Lee, and the emerging Brother We, is that his grace is sufficient for me. It's no big deal to have to fly on a regional jet for a couple hours, but it's not pleasant. But his grace is sufficient for me. I need to get up early Monday morning for jury duty. It was planned on the 22nd by me in between trips. And I'll have my printed itinerary to show the judge I can't be in a long trial. Bye bye. Go, go Malaysia. Friday. So from KC to jury duty. Monday morning, His grace will be sufficient for me. This is a precious word. The kingdom of God is a realm of grace. And that grace is supplying us to do what we can't do. To become what we cannot become. To bear what we cannot bear. But the other point, which I'll cover now before going through the outline, is much more precious. By far. Grace is God becoming enjoyable to us. It's God is our enjoyment. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, tis joy. For it is Christ that I enjoy on land or sea. Doesn't matter where, where Jesus is, my joy is there. The Lord Jesus 
drank that bitter cup. He tasted death. Can anyone recall what Hebrews 2 says concerning how he did it? It said, by the grace of God, he tasted death for everything. He was on that cross for six hours, three hours being persecuted by humans, three hours as the sin offering, condemned by God in our place. And the testimony is, he did it by the grace of God. By grace. Grace is the triune God becoming your subjective enjoyment in the midst of every situation. That's grace. I know the theologians say that grace is unmerited favor, and it is. You don't deserve anything, God saves you by grace. Not by your works, unmerited favor. But do you think that when Paul was suffering from the thorn, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, he was saying, my unmerited favor is sufficient for you. Come on. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us, full of unmerited favor. 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the unmerited favor of God, I am what I am. The unmerited favor of God be with your spirit. The last word of the New Testament. Unmerited favor be with all the saints. That's a joke. To reduce it to something so objective. That's a concoction of male theologians with zero spiritual experience. Grace is God himself. Becoming enjoyable to you in your situation. That's grace. Yes, it does enable you to do the impossible. But even that is surpassed by your enjoyment of the Lord. There's grace in you. There's grace in your heart. Now we sang tonight two hymns. I wonder if we fulfill the word in Colossians 3, singing with grace in your hearts. There's a man in the glory whose life is for me. He overcame. Is that singing with grace? I don't uplift any place. But if you want a lesson on singing with grace in your heart, go to Korea. You'll hear singing with grace. Actually, much of our singing is not with grace. Even we're singing about grace in its highest definition, but we may not be singing with grace in our heart. There's a difference. When this is God becoming enjoyable to you. And one expression of this 
is singing. When Paul and Silas were in prison in Acts 16 after being beaten with rods, do you think they were singing, There's a man in the glory who's... They were singing with their whole being. They were enjoying the Lord there. They really were. Can we then admit, and I say this gently, we're not that happy. When, when I was a young man, I decided there wasn't love and there wasn't joy. Instead of love, I'll settle for respect. And then in my, the early years of my married life, which were the early years of my church life, I would say I was non-happy. I'm not happy or unhappy. I'm non-happy. It's just, it's not a possibility. It's not an option. But that is hardly the normal Christian life that is not the kingdom life. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is a realm of grace. And grace, let me put it this way, is the triune God in his dispensing causing you to be happy in him. Let me tell this story again. My mother had a beautiful singing voice. Unusual. Her pitch was so clear. And in the 1940s, when I was growing up during the year in the war and afterwards, when my dad was working swing shift, she'd be doing the ironing. Some of you may not know what an iron is. It's <laughs> a kind of triangular device that gets hot on the bottom. And you use it to put the wrinkles out of cloth. <laughs> anyway, she would be ironing in the evening. I would be playing with something in the next room. And singing songs from the 30s and 40s you never heard of. There's a long, long trail of winding to the land of my dreams. Only older saints can nod in acknowledgement. And I felt so peaceful and secure because of her joy and then not too many years later it hit me like a thud and the words came up in my young heart the singing stopped the singing stopped why mother's not happy she lived to be 90 She's with the Lord. But I never heard her sing again. It's not a small thing to sing with grace in your heart. This is not a message about singing, okay? This is not a choir practice. We're not, not going to have any kind of formal presentation. But... Let's look at our situation. Not that much grace. Not that many can say, Lord, your grace is sufficient 
for me. For me. Lord, I, I really would rather be well. And I ask you to heal me. But your grace is sufficient for me. I really ask you to reduce the financial pressure that I'm in. I ask you to do it. But your grace is sufficient for me. Lord, I'm so disappointed with how some of my children turned out. I'm so disappointed. And I pray that you will bring them back into the line of recovery and make them overcomers. But if not, your grace is sufficient for me. This is the kingdom. The kingdom is a realm of sufficiency. The throne for us in the kingdom is called the throne of grace. That's what it's called. The throne of grace. We're under the rule of the throne of grace. That's why we can sing in hymn 770, Grace as a river shall flow. In the holiest place, touch the throne of grace. Grace as a river shall flow. I have, there's no spirit of judgment. But it's a song. It's 770. But it's not yet that much our real inward situation. Grace flowing as a river. Not just a few drops. That's not sufficiency. A river flowing in my being. Causing me to sing when I cannot sing. Causing me to bear what I cannot bear. Causing me to do what I cannot do. With such delight in the Lord. I am not addicted to work. I am not incapable of rest. But many times, my work requires very long days and nights. Sometimes I leave my office in building two on the campus. It's quite late. And I used to wonder when Brother Lee talked about pum, pum, pum. Pum, pum, pum. He's just motivated by the pum, pum, pum. And I would ask, what is the pum, pum, pum? Now I can tell you, the pum, pum, pum is the pum, pum, pum. <laughs> I know that's deep. It is the energizing of the all-sufficient grace. It is the energy in the divine transmission. And even though I'm physically tired many times, inwardly, I'm just in an ecstasy. Rejoicing. I did not force myself to do this. The pum, 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 the transmission. And now I'm weary. I don't have much strength. I think I can make it home. 
but inside. What a sufficiency. I have to tell you, I learned of Brother Lee, not by face-to-face teaching, by an example in one of his messages. I pray this every day. Lord, please supply me with today's portion of your all-sufficient grace. One simple prayer. Maybe I've been praying this 10 years, 12 years, a few thousand times. I'd like to tell you, every day, His grace has been sufficient. Every day. This is the kingdom. This is the church life. When Barnabas went up to Antioch after the spread to that point, he saw the grace of God in the church. He saw it. In Acts 4, we're told that with great power, the apostles bore testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Why now can this about every place the saints be late for meetings, not be at the Lord's at the prayer meeting? It's because the grace is not sufficient in our experience. Many saints are worn out. They're just worn out. They're hanging in there, whatever hanging in there means. But when grace comes, You have a supply, you have an energy, you have a strength, you have a motivation that's not human. And everything you do is motivated by this. When you give something, it's with a heart full of grace. The recipient receives not merely a gift, they receive grace from God. The God of all grace. Well, I've been trying to help us have some impression. Let me read through the outline now. And, and the points here, many of, of which are quite deep, should strengthen our impression. Grace is the manifestation of the triune God in his embodiment in three aspects, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Grace is the triune God. Isn't the triune God always sufficient? The New Testament is a history of the grace of God as the incarnation of the triune God in his divine trinity, processed and consummated and moving and living in and among the believers. John 1.14 is incarnation. Same with verses 16 and 17. Revelation twenty two twenty one, the last verse in the Bible. Let me read it so I have it accurately. God's last word. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. That's the Lord's last word. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. So the New Testament is a history of grace Passing from incarnation to all the steps. Three, 
Grace is the triune God in his incarnation to be dispensed into the believers by the Father as the source, by the Son as the element, and by the Spirit as the application. Uh, let me ask you this. Can you reign in life over death and Satan? Can you do that? Only God is stronger than death. And the love which is God is as strong as death. But, Romans 5.17 says, if we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life. You look at Brother Lee's ministry, reigning in life over this, over that, over death, even over Satan. That is how prevailing grace is in the divine dispensing. It produces the reigning capacity. We all want to be co-kings, right? In the millennium. Then we need to begin to tap in now into the dispensing of the triune God as grace. The source of grace, this is A, the element of grace and the application of grace are the three persons of the divine trinity to be our everything. What a statement. This is almost directly from Brother Lee's ministry. It's the triune God to be our everything. Right now, what do you need God to be to you? I sent a very brief email to a vital companion and I said to this brother since we're in the habit of blessing each other tonight may the triune God be whatever your tripartite being needs whatever you need this is what the point says to be our everything in the divine dispensing, grace is called the grace of God, the grace of Christ, and the grace of which the Spirit is. Grace is the triune God. In his economy, processed to be dispensed into us. This is grace. This is why the kingdom of God is a realm of grace, because grace is God himself. In his divine trinity. For. The grace in God's economy. Is the embodiment of God. For man to receive. As his enjoyment and supply. John 1. 16. For of his fullness. Have we all received. Grace upon grace. Romans 5.17 If we receive the abundance of grace, we will reign in life. It's so simple. You open your being and you receive one wave of grace after another. Marvelous. You just receive it. Look at A. Grace means God is everything. God does everything. 
And God gives everything. That's why 1 Peter 5.10 says he's the God of all grace. What? What is this? God is everything. Brothers who've been married for more than 20 years. Is it easy or difficult to love your wife as Christ loved the church? And gave himself up for her. Okay, your own wife. Not just love her. But as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I would say two things. It's impossible. And it's simple. It's impossible to the natural life. But when you have the triune God as your supply, it's effortless. I think I, I can tell you just this little story. Um, I saw on my wife's desk a few years ago a used book. Sometimes we would go to half-price books and maybe pick up something. And I was stunned at the title of the book on her desk it was how to live with a difficult man <laughs> and I remember I remember my reaction when I saw that my reaction inwardly was I thought you were the difficult Later, she told me about this biography of Jonathan Edwards, you know, the Puritan preacher in the U.S., especially of his married life. It presented him from the point of view of his married life. He had a lot of children. He had a very good wife. So I asked her for the title of the book, would you believe the title of the book is Marriage to a Difficult Man? So difficult is appearing twice here. So I guess I'm difficult. <laughs> I don't dispute the point. And I know She's kind of difficult. But with the triune God dispensed into me, I have no sense of her being difficult. Not at all. Not at all. She sent me a text message because my younger son went on a trip to Croatia and he flew out of Houston and his vehicle is at long-term parking and so she calls. Uh, no, she sends a text. Phil called. He's boarding the plane in Charlotte for Austin. I thought, that's strange. So I wrote back saying, where is his car? And then she wrote back, I'm in Houston. Just a little thing. I got the city wrong. 
I got this detail wrong. But nothing matters. I have no sense. I'm not a martyr. I'm not suffering there. She's not difficult. If anyone's difficult, the man is difficult. Book titles speak for themselves. Okay? But when we really have God is everything, we don't sense that it's difficult. We don't ask saints to pity us because of our difficulties. The thorn is there, but God is everything. God does everything. God gives everything. Okay, that's grace. B says, Christ as the grace of God is a good land for us to enter into, enjoy, experience, partake of, and possess. The grace of God in his economy is rich, multiplying, and abounding. Grace is the embodiment of God who became a God-man with divinity and humanity, passed through human living... Grace is the process God. Now back to A. This is the God who is everything, who does everything, and gives everything. We need saints, one by one, from time to time, to be able to bear witness to this, not as a doctrine. I pass through this situation. God was everything to me. I had all these responsibilities. God did everything in me. And God gave everything. But there are no praises along this line. Not yet. There will be. This is the kingdom of God. It's a realm of grace. There's a superabounding supply. Paul would say we're sin abounded. Grace superabounded. Grace superabounded. That's the, it superabounds. I say again, this is another universe. This is another realm where the God who's so enjoyable is everything. He does everything. He gives everything. He has to bring us to the point where we stop. And that isn't easy. We stop because we're down. Then once we get our energy back, we had our protein drink, we jogged for an endorphin rush, and we had seven hours sleep, so now we're ready to go again until finally we stop and let the grace of God come. We don't, we don't stop easy. I had to make literally thousands of mistakes in married life before I stop certain things. Don't, don't try to make this happen. Don't try to change the situation. Don't try to work it out. Just let the love flow. That's all. Stop. So in the kingdom of God, we're very active, but all natural activity is stopped. God is everything. God does everything. God gives everything. No self-effort. It's a wonderful place. 
E, without being processed, the triune God could not be grace to us. God the Father is embodied in the Son. The Son is realized as a life-giving Spirit. And the Spirit enters into us as grace for our enjoyment. The processed and consummated triune God dispenses himself into us to be our portion as grace so that we may enjoy him as everything in his divine trinity. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. That's an indicator. You're living in the kingdom. You don't enjoy the thorn. The grace coexists with the thorn. And the grace overcomes the thorn. I'm not suggesting we have an easy path. We do not. But when the grace comes, your inner feeling changes about your being, about your situation. And what is prominent is not the thorn. You don't give people the impression, I had a thorny week. What a thorn. Pray for me. I have a thorn. Your whole demeanor is, it's grace. All sufficient grace. Never powerless. It is Christ who lives in me in his exhaustlessness. The kingdom of God is a realm of grace. It's everywhere. Permeates the atmosphere. The throne is the throne of grace. Whence flows grace as a river. Even this grace is now with our spirit. Right? That's the end of Philippians. That's the end of Galatians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. How close, how much closer can it get But we need to turn there and receive the grace and let the grace flow. Then you'll be able to say, it's God as everything. It's God doing everything. Now, so Randy, be a grace man as a husband. No brother should be named Grace. But it's possible you can name him Graceman. I know a young brother named Wiseman. How about Graceman, huh? No takers? Okay, I won't even name my grandchildren Graceman. But a Godman is a Graceman always availing himself of the all-sufficient grace. That's living in the kingdom. You're inwardly a joyful person. I am happiness challenged, genetically. I am chromosomally designed to be very serious and deep and deliberate and non-happy. And I come from a line of non-happy fins whose only soulless was beer and vodka, okay? I have nothing going for me dispositionally, temperamentally. My only hope is God himself. And I'm finding out 
later rather than sooner, but better later than not at all, that God is really delightful, pleasant, enjoyable. And I've also learned who the deepest people are. They're not the morbid ones. They're not the serious ones. They're the joyful ones. Because they turn from their pitiful self to the grace with their spirit. And by being in the spirit, they're in another realm. It's a realm of grace. And the triune God is everything to them. When Brother Lee wrote hymn 608, it wasn't a doctrine. That chorus, the triune God, has now become our all. How wonderful, how glorious. This gift divine we never shall exhaust. How excellent, how marvelous. I might have inverted lines two and four. This is what the kingdom of God is. It's a realm of grace. Now the last point. We are those who have received grace, which is the triune God, the Father given to us in the Son, and the Son realized as the Spirit dwelling in our spirit. Now I end this way. We talked this morning about we have to live in the physical realm. We're physical beings, outwardly. The kingdom of God is the divine and mystical realm of the pneumatic Christ, the consummated spirit. We may live merely in the physical realm with our body and our soul, mainly with our mind. Then we get a little respite when we come to a meeting We leave the physical realm for an hour and we're more or less in another realm. Then we go back home to physical reality again. As a result, the vast portion of our life is not in the reality of the kingdom of God. As a result, we cannot come together as the church And be the kingdom of God in reality. We can come together as the church. And be the kingdom of God for an hour. In a meeting. But the Lord wants to shepherd us in another direction. So that the church life becomes the corporate exhibition. Of our daily life. And our daily life is a life. In two realms simultaneously tomorrow night like all the other passengers I'll be in that cramped regional jet in that little plane for a couple hours the issue is will I also be in another realm after giving these messages where will I be 24 hours from now My expectation is, no matter how my body feels, no matter what my mood is, no matter how uncomfortable the seat is, I'll be flying in the kingdom of God. 
We're just living here. When we live here, we're in life. When we live here, we're in light. And then especially tonight we see we're in grace. Here, God is our enjoyment. Many times, on long, long flights, long flights, have been the sweetest times. Sitting in my seat, singing, singing to the Lord, not disturbing other passengers, praying, reading. I'm not suggesting I do this all the time. Just traveling is exhausting in itself. Traveling for labor is more than that. But no wonder Dick Taylor refers to aircraft as his transport divine. (laughs) That we're in this physical, practical realm. Our bodies are in it. We need to take care of our bodies. But I don't know about you. I don't know how many years the Lord has measured out to me. I don't plan on living them like the Gentiles live. Being anxious for this and that. And trying to find joy in this and that. I like to give myself to the Lord. That my remaining years would be lived in the kingdom of God. In the life, in the light, and in the grace. Praise the Lord. Would you share something with us, brother, to start the fellowship? I don't know if you have any leading. At least, I think now you have the leading. (laughs) See, there's grace with him. And now God will be everything to him and do everything to him. And give him whatever he needs. Amen. Amen.